Welcome to OnAmp. Oh no, not another marketing podcast. I'm your host, Will Davis. I'm the Chief Marketing Technology Officer and co-founder at RightSource with over 20 years experience in the marketing space. On this podcast, we'll cover everything from strategy to content to MarTech platforms and everything in between. You'll hear honest talk about successes and failures with our guests, plenty of analogies, maybe a couple jokes, and a lot of data points along the way. Marketing operations, uh, I think most people see that as the IT people, the, mm-hmm. the technical people of the marketing team. They don't really understand it. They don't know what we do. They just know that they push buttons and things happen. <laughs> I think the reality is the people in marketing operations know a lot more than most people recognize. Welcome. With me today is Dave Tolliver, Senior Director of Marketing and Web Operations with Elucian. Dave, we usually like to have kind of a fun intro for people here. You and I have worked together, and so there's a lot of stuff I could uh, throw out here. But um, as your intro, I'll say, been on the agency side, been on the client side, uh, frequent purveyor of four-letter words. (laughs) Dave, thanks for joining us today. Oh, thanks for having me. So uh, kind of jumping right in, I mentioned you've been on the corporate side, you've been on the agency side. Um, what have you, you know, wearing both hats, what have you learned from that? What what have you learned from a marketing perspective? Um, how has that helped you in your career today? Yeah. So it was interesting when I, uh, when I started on the agency side, I chose that purposefully because I'd been in the corporate side for so many years. I wanted to see what the agency side was like. There were a lot of similarities. Um, I think at the end of the day, the the clients that we worked with from the agency side were the same as uh, any corporate out, uh, corporation out there, and uh, and it was really beneficial to have the experience of being at a client um, to work with them. Uh, they're trying to accomplish the exact same things that you would if you worked at the company. Uh, they just don't have either the skill set or the time to be able to do that. And they're hiring you uh, to to lend a hand. And so uh, they're looking for that expertise, having people who have been in the real world done that at a company before uh, those clients are really looking for that expertise and and being able to provide that was uh, something I was looking to do. Cool. So you started on the client side, kind of went to the agency side, now back on the on the brand side. And what have you you talked a little bit about what you learned um, to bring to the agency side? What have you seen? in your current role that you took from, from that past experience? Yeah. So the, one of the big differences between the two is on the corporate side, you know, everything that's going on on the agency side, you're not always privy to what's happening at the company, all the nuances mm-hmm. of different departments or even just within uh, the, the marketing department. Uh, and it can make it a little bit difficult to do things from uh, the agency side when you don't know all of that. Uh, I think one thing that I learned is everybody needs to know more to get the context of what they're working on, why they're working on it, what the ultimate goals are, what the goals are for the company, not just for this this young little project. Uh, and so it's helped uh, in a couple of ways. One, when I'm working with agencies uh, to be able to understand what they need uh, and to better prepare them for what I'm looking for, why we're looking for it, uh, and what uh, what the ultimate goals of not just me uh, or the marketing department, but the sales team, the the exec team, and, and everyone. 
Yeah, it makes a lot of sense because sometimes I know on the agency side, you sort of feel like there's something out there. You maybe don't know exactly what it is, but like this assignment feels a little wonky or there's, you know, there's another piece we might be missing. Um, But I can imagine your role now having some of that experience, you're able to better kind of prepare your agency partners to say, okay, here's, here's the full story or, you know, here's something that would be helpful for you to know that you may not already know. Yeah. And even within the company, even within the marketing department where I am now, um, it's helpful having had that agency experience to be able to work just with other teams within the marketing department so that I know exactly what I need to understand to to accomplish what uh, what I'm being asked to do. I can interview them better, um, whether it's a solutions or a product marketing person, a brand person, a, an internal corp comms person. Uh, when they task my team with something, I know better how to dig into what we're ultimately going for. What are we trying to accomplish versus, hey, you just go push these buttons over there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Give more of the big picture. Yeah. So we we dove right in. We got pretty hot pretty quick. Um, but taking <laughs> a step back, your title, Senior Director of Marketing Web Operations. Um, first of all, that's like a, a big business card. I don't know if you have the Euro yeah. size <laughs> or the regular standard US size, but um, what does that job entail? So it's interesting. Um, marketing operations, uh, I think most people see that as the IT people, the, mm-hmm. the technical people of the marketing team. They don't really understand it. They don't know what we do. They just know that they push buttons and things happen. <laughs> um, I, I think the reality is the people in marketing operations know a lot more than most people recognize. Their experience has been in a lot of different functions across marketing orgs and different businesses. Um, And so it for sure entails dealing with the technologies, Um, working with the um, ABM stuff, the marketing automation software, email, uh, personalization, tracking, analytics, all of that technical uh, thing stuff. But more than that, it's about processes and working between the marketing department and the sales team or the CSM team or, or other departments within a company. We are in many ways the glue between those two things and mm-hmm. know how those things fit together. And so there's a lot more um, that we may know about uh, and how to accomplish than other people may recognize. Yeah, I think it's interesting, too, because there aren't people, you know, who who are at a director level in their career that majored in marketing ops in college right. or something yeah. like that. Right? It didn't exist. Um, yeah. And so, as you alluded to, it's it's kind of collective shared experiences and working in different marketing roles that lets you kind of look at how all the pieces of the puzzle kind of fit together. Yeah. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot more that we... Well, one thing is we're the end of the line for many things that happen in marketing. Uh, Meaning if someone needs an email to go out, it can't go out unless it comes through my team. Mm -hmm. Uh, If they want something put on the the website, it can't happen unless it goes through my team. So we're the end of the line before anything goes public. Uh, And because of that, everything funnels through us. So we get to see everything that's happening in all of marketing, uh, which means we are more privy to the, the different projects that people are working on, the, the differences in messages mm-hmm. that people are doing, the audiences that people are hitting. Um, so for example, if you have four product marketers, each tasked with getting the message out about their one product, 
it all funnels through us. They may not be talking, um, but we right. see right. everything that's mm-hmm. happening on the back end and we can guide, uh, guide them in different directions if, if we see the need to. And you still, I assume, like I do have that moment of terror every time you send out one of those emails to a big yeah. list where, you know, we've been doing this for 20 years, but you're still like, yeah. okay, I'm going to click send and oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I, I, I've said this before and I, I tell uh, people that work for me that, that send the emails, if you're not nervous before you hit send, there's a problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, you should be. <laughs> and that's a good thing. I, I mean... But, People have said it means you care. Right. It means uh, you care, right? <laughs> but more than anything, it's uh, have you checked everything and, and going back and doing a double check on any given piece of this? Because there's so many things that could go wrong. Um, there are so many little things within a marketing automation tool that you have to double check. It's not just the subject line and the content or the picture in the email anymore that you have to double check. Uh, it's lists. It's the filters. It's uh, the do not sub subscribe and and all these different things that you have to double check uh, before any of this stuff goes out and you should be nervous before you hit that send button. I I still am in the same way. And if I'm standing over uh, someone who works for me, who's hitting that send button, I'm like, did you check this? Did you double check this? (laughs) (laughs) It's good, right? It means you care. So, so you talked about some of the uh, experiences you've had that have led you to this role. Yeah. Um, marketing ops, like what do you see as the hard skills, the soft skills? What does a marketing ops person kind of bring to the table? Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. I mean, like you said, it, it wasn't around a number of years ago and it's it's developed over time. Part of that is is comes along with more and more technology coming into play. Um, I think one of the biggest things is having a, a technical mindset um, to be able to understand how these pieces fit. Um, I can teach you what buttons to push, but I can't teach you necessarily how to understand why and how and, and all of the different nuances to making a technology work uh, and how mm-hmm. the, a couple of technologies work together. And I've, wor- I've worked with people before and it's, it's no different than anything. Um, some people are wired for it. Some people aren't. Some people know how to, to use a throwback, um, fix the blinking clock on their VCR. <laughs> oh, wow. Um, <laughs> we went way back. <laughs> some people don't. And, and not only do they not know how to fix it, they'll never be able to figure it out because their mind isn't wired that way. And it doesn't mean that they're not smart in other regards. It's just that they won't be able to figure out the technology. They won't be able to truly understand how it all works, how it all fits together. So that's one of the big things that I always look for is a technical mindset. Um and being able to understand not just a single technology, but how all of these these things fit together. Um, so there's the other pieces are a desire to always want to find an answer. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's because you are relegated to finding those answers. When, when there's a question that comes up, um, it's up to you many times to figure out how it might be accomplished. And you can't just say, I don't know. Um, right. It's more along the lines of, I, I can figure that out. And, and not only, you know, it, it's that desire to want to figure it out. It's like, ooh, that's a, that's a new problem. I want to figure out how to solve that. I want to get creative. And, but in order to do that, you have to understand the technology. You have to understand how these things fit together. You have to understand how you might even be able to start figuring out that, that solution. 
Yeah, I've always said, you know, two of the attributes that I think are really underrated is curiosity. Yeah. Right? I want to know how that works. I want to figure this thing out or I don't know the answer to this question. Um, and problem solving, right? Yeah. This thing is not working and we need to figure out yeah. why. And I'm not going, you know, I'm not going to sleep until I figure out yeah. why it's not working. Yep. <laughs> and whether that's the clock on your VCR or, yeah. you know, the ice maker <laughs> in your fridge or marketing technology, like those, those attributes are really, really valuable. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's a, uh, uh, it's, it's a difficult thing to understand and it, and it gets into knowing the 23 pieces that sit between your idea and the, the end result mm -hmm. uh, of having it go out. Um, and if you don't know those 23 pieces, uh, you have to figure them out. You have to understand what's going to happen in the middle of it. Uh, and being able to, to help other people understand all of that is, is a key piece of it. Yeah. In many ways it's kind of, you know, bad and out overused analogy, I guess I'll say, but landing the plane, right? So yeah. the big idea marketers, the brand marketing kind of concept um, taking the brand then into market and then ultimately like how do we execute all the as you said 20 something steps between the idea and getting it actually into market yeah yeah and and um, that's something that is a little bit tricky um, I, I feel in, in a lot of meetings that I'm in I'm the realist and to to the point of being realist or pessimist <laughs> exactly to the point of being pessimistic because somebody brings up an idea and I say yeah sure we can do that this is what that means though and they don't like to hear that <laughs> so I'm sorry was your title dream crusher yeah, or <laughs> exactly <laughs> That's funny. So um, kind of sticking with that technology theme, you know, you've lived through the evolution of kind of marketing being a not very technical discipline mm -hmm. um, to a, in some cases, very technical discipline. Like how, is, how has technology changed marketing over your career? It's interesting. Um, I started with a big technology, uh, marketing automation um, in 2006. I thought I was a little bit late to the curve. In reality, I guess I was ahead of it to a certain extent because it's still a booming industry right now. Uh, but even before that, using different technologies, I mean, I kind of grew up in the in the video and film world and, and uh, design world. Um, but one of the things I've noticed, and this is a question that comes up uh, quite a bit, is has marketing technology made things easier, faster. Um, I think the reality is marketing, all the technologies that have been coming out or have come out over the last 15 years, make things possible, make more things possible. Uh, they don't necessarily make it faster and easier. Um, and I say that because I can, I have a tool that has all the buttons and tracking, whatever it may be, but there's still a lot of blood, sweat, and tears that go into the back end of any of these things, creating the, the email, uh, marketing automation doesn't just create the email for you. It doesn't create the image, uh, for you. It doesn't create the link that goes into it or the landing page that that's pointed to from the email. Uh, and a lot of people, have calls with vendors. They're looking at these technologies. The vendors show these unbelievable demos with their demo mm -hmm. environment and it looks shiny and pretty and amazing and they buy it and then they go to do the first thing and they're like, oh shit, what do I do now? I don't, 
I don't have any content to put into this. <laughs> I don't know who I'm going to send it to. It's not connected to my other system. This isn't working like that demo said it would. Mm -hmm. um, not realizing how much work actually goes into getting these things to work correctly. Yeah, I mean, as, as I say, like they bought the dream and then they yeah. live a different reality. Yeah. Um, and I think to your point, it may not necessarily always make things easier. Um, it may not make things faster, although sometimes it does, but, yeah. but it makes things ideally more effective, right? Yeah. So as we get much more personalized and buyers expect um, a higher level of experience from every brand they touch, right? Like yeah. how, how do you not know exactly who I am and what I need yeah. right away? Um, that ability is complex, yeah. but we can deliver on it now instead of going, well, that wasn't even an option before. So I think to your point, like it's not necessarily um, faster, requires fewer people, like makes things easier. It just allows us to be better at being relevant. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot more that you can do. Um, things that, that we may have thought about 20 years ago that weren't possible are now possible. Um, with that comes, like you said, it, it doesn't mean there's fewer people that have to be involved. Uh, if, if anything, maybe there's more. Uh, there's more writers uh, that have to be involved. There's more designers that have to be involved because you want to do more stuff because the technology allows you to. Mm -hmm. it, allow, it allows you to do those things that you wanted to do 20 years ago that you couldn't. And now that you have the ability to do it, you want to jump right in and do everything you've ever dreamed of. Right. Um, and, and, and then you realize that takes a lot of work and, uh, and, and you can't boil the ocean. You have to get down to the basics of, of getting it started, getting some things going and then iterating from that point. Um, because it just, uh, I mean, I have a lot of people all the time coming and saying, Hey, can we do this? And I say, sure, we could do that anytime mm -hmm. you want. But going back, these are the 23 things that I need from you in order to accomplish that. And a lot of times, unfortunately, they say, hmm, that sounds like a lot of work. That let's feels like let's a lot. table that for, mo for the moment and we'll come back to it. Yeah. <laughs> Anything's possible. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what, what do we need to do to get there? Yeah. So, so as we talk about technology and marketing um, in your role at Elucian, like, how do you feel like technology has given you a competitive advantage? So... Technology used to give much more of an advantage than I think it does now. Um, it's table stakes anymore. Uh, any company who's, who doesn't have marketing automation or, or CMS or any of these analytics tools or anything else uh, is, is way behind the curve. Um, 15 years ago, you were ahead of the curve and, and it was an advantage anymore. Most people have it, uh, if they don't, they're on their way. Um, I think one of the benefits is having used it for so long. Uh, I and, and a lot of people on my team know exactly what to do to accomplish a lot of, uh, a lot of complex things that others might not. Um, there are a couple of things, and, and this comes along with just having the technical mindset and having worked with different tools for a long time, as you know, a lot of the nuances on how to make something work that, and you have the creative ideas on how to accomplish something that, um, that gives us an advantage. And I think, uh, an example is not to get too technical, but, you know, we're using a new tool for ABM and it's giving us some basic data, clicks and engagements and, and these different things, how many people hit, hit our website. Um, but that's it. And, and in some cases that might be enough, uh, for me, I want to, I want more, I want more connections. And so tying the data that's coming out of this ABM tool 
in with Salesforce data and uh, data coming from marketing automation using things like UTM parameters from the URL, matching that up with a cookie from our marketing automation tool and directly tagging a visitor from this ABM ad platform to a direct contact or lead in our CRM uh, allows us a lot more visibility into what is actually working, what accounts it's working with mm -hmm. uh, and what their engagement rates are. And it's a, uh, it's not something that um, would have been possible a number of years ago, uh, but it's also not something that's possible unless you really know how all these tools could tie together uh, in the back end of these different things and how to match these things up. Yeah. So it's kind of to realize the value and, you know, to go back to the dream, right? Yeah. You, you need to stitch all the pieces together and really have the, the team to make all the technologies yeah. work. And one, one interesting thing that came out of that, and this is recent, is the a lot of the ads that we're pointing because we have a, a very large known database um we noticed that there were very few cookies being tied to the visits from this ad platform what that allows me to do is understand the types of people who are visiting uh and um just uh, for one thing it says i need to gate a little bit more from at least from this ad platform than i might from other channels uh so it, it really got that type of detail, uh, that type of tying the technologies together guides the, the strategies around marketing and allows us to understand better what we need to do going forward. Yeah, that's going to be my next question, which is probably, <laughs> <laughs> you know, okay, how is, how is all this information, this data and these technologies that are providing it, is it guiding marketing decisions? Is it driving the way you approach things? Like how do you, yeah. you know, take what you're learning there and feed it back into the loop? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that, that's another um, good and bad thing. Now we have tons of data, like mm -hmm. so much data from all kinds of systems. We have it, luckily, we have it all feeding in to an Informatica thing that connects into something else that connects into the overlay with Tableau. And we have a, a great data platform. We have tons of data. And then we put out these dashboards and people are like, hmm. So now what are we supposed so to do? So what does it mean? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so you still need humans. You, you do. It turns out. Yes. Yes. Uh, I would love to get to the point where it's all AI and, <laughs> you know, uh, but that might put me out of a job. Um, but all of that data is sitting there. Uh, it, it becomes overwhelming and you're not sure what to do. Um, I had someone a couple of months ago who was digging into these dashboards, came to me and said, these dashboards aren't telling me anything that's yet there's a yes and no you have to mm -hmm. figure out what you're trying to see you have to figure out what you're trying to accomplish what was the ultimate goal uh, before the campaign even launched and that will tell you whether it was success successful or not um, but one of the big things that I've noticed is if you can't glean anything from the data that you have that's telling in and of itself mm -hmm. in that something's not going correctly uh, or you need to change something or you need to redefine your goals from the, from the get go in order to have the results or have meaningful results on the back end. And that's one of the biggest things that I've used as a guiding principle from an analytics standpoint over the last couple of years is that exact notion of this data is not telling me anything. It's not necessarily the data that's not telling you anything. It's how the whole thing was conceived of, um, and the, the out, the data is just the data. Uh, and yes, there's a, there's a, a certain, to a certain extent, you have to understand how to read the data, how to drill into it, how to find the nuances of what the data is telling you. Um, but at the same 
time there are oftentimes when I go back to that campaign marketer or that brand marketer and say, well, you're right, but it, it's not a flaw in the data. It's a flaw in how this thing is set up and what you're trying to measure, what you're trying to ultimately accomplish that we need to change so that we do have meaningful data. Right. So like, did you know what you wanted to try to know? Exactly. We, we had a conversation uh, last week with someone and they're like, all right, here's widget one of, I think it was 70 something that were on their dashboard. I was like, that's not a dashboard, right? right? That's, that's, <laughs> that's, that's the 737. Yeah. <laughs> that's not like a dashboard. That's too many things for you to look at and yeah. actually feel like you can distill. So it's really, you know, what are you trying to get out of it? And then how do you set up the metrics, the KPIs and, and, the visuals of the KPIs to, to really help you decide that. Yeah. And even with filters and, and everything where you can drill into the data, a lot of times I get the question, um, well, what should I, what should I set this filter to? What's the time frame? What's the this? What's the that? And the question always back is, well, what are you trying to, what are you trying to read? What are you trying to see? What are you trying to, to, to tell based on, on what you're looking at? Um, and that gets tricky and people, it makes people think, which is good. Um, and really try to don't make me think, know. right? Yeah. yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> so, so success metrics, right? What it, In your job, what do you guys measure? Um, what are kind of the KPIs that, that you're looking at on a regular basis to say we're moving in the right direction or, you know, we need to pivot. This thing isn't going the way we thought it would. Yeah. Um, a lot of this is traditional B2B stuff. And, and uh, I don't necessarily like that. We still look at that. Um, and it's the inquiries, the leads, the opportunities, the deals. Um, I, I've historically had a lot of uh, arguments um, with leaders and organizations who want more leads. Of course. And, <laughs> and I've told them bluntly, I can give you more leads. That's not going to do anything for our business. We should be measuring something different. I could buy a list. I could do, I could do any number of things to mm-hmm. skew the data in my favor and give you what you, what you want. It's not going to affect the bottom line. Um, and so what we've shifted to is from a marketing perspective is a lot of the marketing influence. Everybody knows. And, 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 and I learned a lot about this at, uh, when I was at RightSource actually, um, and just how to think of it. The concept of surround the castle is not one thing that drives a lead or a conversion or an opportunity or a deal. It's a combination of many, many things. And without one of those 15 things, that deal may never happen. Mm-hmm. You don't know which one necessarily. Right. <laughs> um, but if you if you cut out three programs from the, the list of 15, it's possible that that, that deal doesn't close. Um, and so that's what we look at is the, is the influence, the engagement, um, and the different things that are really, truly telling of what is leading to, uh, the success or, or the failure of, of any one program. Yeah. It's challenging too, because I mean, as you said, you think about all those different touch points in a B2B sales cycle. I mean, for you guys, I, I would imagine it's, you know, it's not days, it's not weeks, yeah. it's at least months and often years. And so you think about what are all those different touch points and attribution models, attribution software and tracking like tries to get there. But, you know, in, in my mind, it's almost it's so, you know, I like to cook at home and it's sort of like, OK, what if I didn't put this ingredient in the recipe? Yeah. Right. What if I took out this thing? Would it still taste the same? Yeah. And it's like, OK, well, if there's no pepper in this, then it doesn't have that. And if there's no, you know, so probably a bad analogy, but I, I think, <laughs> you know, each of those touch points is 
is important and often hard to really gauge and measure. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's one of those things where, um, I know if something is working, if I can see data that tells me that I need to tweak it, not to revise it, not to overhaul it, not to change direction completely, but I know I'm on the right track. If I'm doing something and I look at it and say, Ooh, that's working. What if we did this? And I, mm-hmm. and I, I feel the need to tweak different things instead of uh, either having no telling data at all or data that is telling me I'm doing something completely wrong. That's obviously helpful. Um, but I know I'm on to something when, when I know that I need to make it better, not make it good, uh, I guess. Yeah, that's where B2B marketing is so challenging, right? Yeah. Especially on these kind of enterprise sales cycles because it's not just, hey, you know, someone purchased a $4 product from our online shopping cart, right? Because yeah. they were on a whim. It's much more, okay, accumulating all this stuff. It takes a while to know, yeah. right? If, it's, if you've got an 18-month sales cycle, you know, you may not know what's actually working. You're looking yeah. at leading indicators and kind of, you know, how is that trending? But you may not know for a while. Yeah. And you can't do that necessarily in the marketing silo either. One of the biggest things is to talk to the sales teams, the SDR mm-hmm. teams, and find out what do they think? What do, what do they have from an anecdotal standpoint that is telling them that something is working, is measurable, or uh, is resonating with the, the client base or the prospect base? That is is very helpful to me uh, because I can do I can do webinars and advertising and, and things all day long, and I can track all of that stuff and let's say, yeah, I got one million three hundred sixteen thousand impressions. That's great. This is very successful. At the end of the day, if nobody else is mentioning it in any way then that that may be problematic. Um, if someone is mentioning something that I know uh, that, that I'm onto something. Well, and you and I could do a whole nother episode around not just the whole like agency to brand side um, back and forth, but I mean, you worked in the sales department for a yeah. while. So yeah. a marketer who has been in sales, a brand marketer who's been in agency is like, you've, yeah. you've got a lot of really interesting kind of, components there. I think it probably really helps you be effective in your role saying, okay, I've been the salesperson before. I know, you know, what marketing did that helped me. And conversely, maybe what marketing thought was really helpful that didn't get me anything. And yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't like to brag, but I'm kind of a big deal (laughs) uh, when it comes to all this marketing stuff. (laughs) No, but that's true. And I, I think looking back, one of the big things that I, I did somewhat purposefully, but also uh, was, was allowed or afforded the ability to do is change roles and look at different things. And, and I wanted to, when given the opportunity to go into sales, um, oversee a sales team, I wanted to take that on partially because I wanted it to further my, my knowledge of how the entire business works, the, the entire process works. Um, and it's, I mean, those types of experiences have helped me immensely, you know, more so, or just as much as, as marketing experience. So it was, it was, um, you know, having varied experience and then, uh, and, and parlaying that into where I am now, I don't know how, how it would have worked differently. Uh, but all of those pieces played into, into the knowledge that I have. So, well, I think that's interesting too, because sometimes you have those kind of ivory tower marketers that have not been kind of boots on the ground in sales and they don't have that perspective of, you know, marketing's hard, but, but selling's really hard too. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. I, there, there can oftentimes be a, lo- a lot of, uh, 
consternation between sales and marketing. Uh, it doesn't have to be that way. I think each of them needs to understand what the other does. Uh, and sitting with an SDR team, um, a BDM team, whatever you call them, and understanding what they go through, whether it's just dialing or it's emailing or what they're really trying to accomplish uh, and what they need in order to accomplish that is, is really helpful. Going out to client sites with with AEs, uh, whether it's prospects or current customers, mm -hmm. and understanding what these people are looking for uh, is a huge thing. And, and that's not something that a digital marketer often gets to do, but it's it's immensely valuable. Understand where are they looking? What are they looking for? How do they research stuff? How do they come across stuff? And it may be that, you know, oftentimes you hear, well, I get referrals from other uh, colleagues uh, at other companies or schools or whatever it may be. Uh, and that's a huge thing um, from, a, you know, what a, a purchase decision, uh, but under, you know, getting out of your seat, uh, going and understanding and looking at different people's jobs and, and all that kind of thing is, is critical. Yeah. I feel like two of the best things marketers can do. One is that kind of ride along, like yeah. you were talking about, go out with an AE, you know, sit in, absorb those meetings. And I mean, the value of call recordings and yeah. just listening to SDR, BDR, whatever you call them in your org, lead development reps, like just listening to those conversations and understanding where the prospects are. I mean, the the value of low cost recording that drops yeah. right into your CRM. I mean, yeah. I, I wouldn't plug someone's particular software here, but I could. Yeah. Uh, but that's just amazing. <laughs> I mean, incredibly valuable info. Yeah. Yeah. It's helpful. And, and the same thing from a Marketing is a catch-all, um, and we've all been through this where uh, everybody thinks marketing is easy and they can do it. Mm -hmm. And so they tell you what you need to do, right? And I think that's one place, uh, that's a big area where any company makes a mistake is not allowing marketing to do what they know how to do. Uh, and rather, they attempt to direct them in what they think. Um and, and it takes a while for other people and, and other orgs to understand that they may not know best. Um, but the biggest thing that it, it hinders is allowing marketing to do a lot of that marketing 101 stuff because they keep tasking marketing. Hey, I need this thing for sales or I need this thing for this one client or we need to do this thing for the corp comms group or for the executive team or for the board members or whatever it may be. Marketing becomes this catch all. Um, and they don't, they get taken away from a lot of the core things that need to happen for any, the marketing 101, right? Um, it takes time away from that. Either they don't get it up and running or they don't follow it and they can't make it better. Uh, and it gets really tricky. Yeah. I think it's, it's always been my perspective that, you know, the people in marketing don't think they can do the CFO's job, Yeah, but everyone in the company thinks they can do marketing's job. I just walk in and go do marketing. It'll yeah. be great. Right. I had an idea, right? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> It's not always treated as a as the discipline that it is. Yeah, and and some sometimes it's well, what else is marketing doing but sitting around waiting for me to give them something to do because I know about the product or I know about sales and I know what needs to go in market. So I'm going to tell them what they need to do because uh, they, they they're not going to be able to figure it out on their own. <laughs> yeah. So um, a question I like to ask everyone as we wrap up: What would the Dave Tolliver of today? Uh, give his advice to an early career Dave Tolliver. Um, <laughs> so one of the things I've learned somewhat recently, unfortunately, is diplomacy. <laughs> really? Um, <laughs> That's new. And how to be a little bit more diplomatic in my dealings with anybody and everybody. Uh, 
you know, there's, there's a concept here of, well, I know what I'm doing. I don't need to listen to anybody else. Not that I have that concept, but, um, (laughs) but there's, there's a couple of pieces that come into play there. It's, um, there are a lot of things that I know about that other people don't. And again, it gets back to them not even being wired that way. So I get asked the same question over and over and over and it gets frustrating, but I have to recognize that they don't understand it. They may never understand it at the level that I do and they need help. Uh, and so having that diplomatic view on it and, and response instead of kind of a, a terse response that I've already told you this three times, why do I have to explain it again? <laughs> uh, but, but explaining it again and, and helping them truly understand what's happening there. Um, but also it's, uh, whether it's in an exec meeting or anything else, um, or working with an agency, or if you're on the agency side and working with the client, it's, um, understanding, uh, how to deal with them. Personalities are always different. Um, a saying that I learned a couple of years ago is, does it have to be said? Does it have to be said now? Does it have to be said now by me? <laughs> and, uh, and, and that helps out in some meetings when I want to jump in and, and jump on something and I kind of sit, take a, take a beat and step back and, and just wait and think, okay, I don't need to talk about this right now. I don't need to, I don't need to be that, uh, the pessimistic person of the meeting right now. <laughs> I'll, I'll get back to them on the 23 things that they need to do. Pause um, your dream crushing. Exactly. <laughs> uh, but that's one of the big things is, is learning how to deal with, with other people and, and getting in on that early and recognizing that the old adage of walking a mile in somebody else's shoes, um, trying to understand where they're coming from, what they're trying to accomplish, what they're asking you for, why they're asking you, uh, instead of just jumping to assumptions uh, and responding in kind. Good advice for uh, <laughs> for young Dave to take from uh, slightly older Dave. Yes. <laughs> well, thanks for joining us, Dave. Really appreciate it. And we'll talk to you soon. Yes, it was good. I really enjoyed it. 